1: A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix.
0: This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado.
1: Clorox knows you want your clothes smelling fresh and clean, but sweat happens. That's why we created Clorox Fabric Sanitizers to freshen up your clothes between washes, pre-treat extra stinky laundry, and make sure every last odor comes out in the wash. Clorox fabric sanitizers take care of all that and eliminate 99% of odor-causing bacteria. Plus, they're bleach-free and safe for all colors and fabrics. When it counts, trust Clorox.
0: Welcome into this post-game edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. My name is James Nabo from NBC5 Chicago, and with me, as always, is the one and only Jay Zawoski of 670 The Score, of the I'm Fat Podcast, of what's the country station you work for? I am so sorry. Gimme Country. Ah, oh, I failed. And an excellent DJ on Gimme Country, and by the way, has gotten advice from Connor Murphy on how to be a better DJ, so... His next set, I'm sure, is going to be his best ever. Jay, your country skills are great. Your ability to spin records is great. You know what's not great? The Chicago Blackhawks, who are now 0-3 and have given up 15 goals in three games while scoring a whopping five of their own as they lose 5-2 to to the Florida Panthers on Sunday night in Sunrise.
1: By the way, uh, should be noted, this is the Florida Panthers' first game of the season. Their first series was canceled uh, because the stars are all COVID-ridden. So this was their first game of the year. So something to keep in mind as we break this one down. The um, stars are COVID-ridden. Sounds like a really good horoscope. It's one of my favorite country songs, too. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Hawks lose 5-2. They're now 0-3. Uh, lots to get to. First, want to tell you how to get in touch. MadhousePod at gmail.com. Twitter at MadhousePod. Instagram, Madhouse underscore pod. And, of course, we're on Facebook. Check out our merchandise store, uh, MadhousePod at merch.com. Powered by our friends, at Triple Threat Sports, go to MadhousePod.com for all things Madhouse Podcast. All right, I'm going to read you some stats here, okay? This is courtesy of Ben Pope of the uh, Sun-Times. He says, shot attempts, 44-42 to for Chicago. Shots on goal, 29-24 for Florida. Scoring chances, 14-13 for Chicago. This looks like, on paper, a pretty decent game. And aside from the score, it was a pretty decent and even game. But when you trust your goaltending to two slash three guys who have proven nothing in the NHL, your season goals against average is five, and that's not a recipe for success. And here's why, and I said this when it happened, and you and I both said we're on board for rebuild all along. But the reason it's really difficult to do this thing in goal is because as soon as the team starts to feel good about themselves, they tie the game 2-2, Connor Murphy scores a goal, the next shift, Florida scores again. You And I'm not blaming Calendelia for any of these goals, but you need guys who are capable of making big saves and big moments, and apparently that guy is not on the Blackhawks roster right now.
0: And we thought that uh, Colin Delia, at least I thought for the most part in the game against the Lightning, I thought Delia looked kind of decent. And, I, and, again, we can go into, you know, whose fault each of the goals was. I mean, who the hell is going to stop a shot that gets hit off of – P.S. Suter stick and Alex Dubrinket's glove and Duncan Keith stick. I don't know if I've ever seen three different defensive players get something on the puck and then it go into the net. Like, that was a fairly remarkable play. But some of that other stuff tonight where Delia just has this awful – inability it seems like to keep his freaking crease like on the Keith Yandel goal I don't know what Colin Delia was doing he way overslid that and that's something that he's done in the past with the Blackhawks as well I know a few of our listeners kind of pointed that out you just you look at some of the goals and yes there were some deflections there was yeah. some bad puck luck that was going on but like you said each of these goaltenders that gets into the net for the Blackhawks has a certain flaw to his game that obviously has prevented him from being an NHL starter or in Colin Delia's case, even a full-time backup. Like that, those flaws have kept them off of NHL rosters and off of NHL ice. And while there is obviously a million other things that are at play in terms of why the Blackhawks are 0-3, that's not helping. And Obviously, I'm not going to like sit here and say that Colin Delia should have been stopping all those shots no. or that Malcolm Subban was to blame on uh, Wednesday night, but I'm just saying it doesn't help. Like, that's definitely what it kind of boils down to. Well, it's a momentum killer, too. You, know, you, you battle back, you tie the game, and
1: then right away it's in the back of your net. And look, the defense got parted on that. I believe that was Keith and Murphy on that goal on the ice. So those are the two guys you don't want getting scored on. Right. And it's just uh, yes, yeah, so it was Keith and Murphy on the ice for that goal. The uh, E2 Luster Lusterinen. I like that name. It's a good. Good finished name.
0: Uh, I was going to say we, <laughs> we were both going to, I think, take our uh, own cracks at that. I know Connor Murphy was on the ice for the the goal that made it 5-2. That was, I believe, a power play goal for Florida. And they were just all over the freaking place on that play like I could not believe by the way like so scrambly (laughs) man I love the part before the fifth goal they come back from TV timeout and Pat Foley's like
1: or maybe it was Conroy. No, it's Foley. He's like in this break. Usually, it's assistant coaches drawing up the plays.
0: This time, it was Jeremy Cowton And before the words are out of his mouth, the pucks immediately in the, back of the, the net. Panthers scored. Like, and I and I was trying to figure out like what what defensive strategy was he devising there? Was it the one that Duncan Keith ended up on his ass and Connor Murphy ended up wh- flailing his stick on the ice at the puck? Like, I couldn't figure out like what exactly the strategy was. But that is another thing I do want to mention that since we're on this topic, I guess. The Florida Panthers may have the most consonants of any team in the NHL because I too loose to Rainin or whatever his name is. You had Chris Farage, I think like, what the hell? Why did they, all the guys with the weird names got put on the Panthers apparently. <laughs> yeah. Well,
1: you know, it's Florida. No one really pays attention. Anyway,
0: the sun adds a bunch of uh, vowels and consonants to everything. Yeah. I suppose. Well,
1: look, there, there's a
0: lot to get to it. And, and I, I want to start here. Okay. Um,
1: Look, you know, I've been really excited to watch Adam Boquist develop. I've been really excited to watch him play. He's one of my, I don't know if you can have a favorite prospect, but the idea of Adam Boquist is something that excites me. So I'm not a hater. Adam Boquist has been flat out bad all season. Every shift, there's a mistake, every shift, there's an error. And look, we know the wins and losses are not going to – the wins are not going to be there this year. That's a fact. Without Taze, without Doc, they don't have the talent to keep up and score with these other teams, okay? They just don't. They're not going to convert a lot. If Kane and DeBrinckit aren't scoring, really no one else is going to. But so now we have to focus on who's developing how. And Adam Boquist is getting worse. Is that possible? (laughs) Where he's bailing out of plays – There's a play in the first period where he's so nonchalant going back to a puck, he's getting pressured and ends up in a shot on goal.
0: That was on a power play, by the way. And after that, credit to Jeremy Collinson, who promptly demoted him from the top power play unit after that play. I, I, I don't know. Is his
1: hockey awareness bad? Is that like, does he not get the game? Is he playing scared? Is he playing afraid to make a mistake? I don't know, but what I'm seeing from Adam Boquist is a guy with no instincts. Think about Kirby Doc early on in the rookie year, right? There were moments where you're like, whoa, that was not good. Like, he'll make a bad read, he'll have, but there were those moments, right? Those flashing moments of, there it is, that's what, that right there, that move or that deke or that check or whatever it was, there's the sign that that guy was a number three pick and he's going to get better. I'm not seeing that stuff from Bogus. I saw it early. We saw it last preseason. Remember he made that where he uh, stick-handled through his own legs and had a nice shot on goal against Detroit? Mm-hmm. He's playing a different game now. He is perfectly, completely shell-shocked. And remember what we talked about when uh, Henry you got traded. And I said some people in the organization were telling me that he was just floundering. Like he looked okay on the ice, but he was like, they compared it to like a duck's feet underwater. Like mm-hmm. they look calm on the surface, but underneath the surface, they're just frantic. That's how Yokohari was described. Multiply that by 10 with Adam Boquist because he looks completely overmatched, completely overwhelmed. And I don't know. Like he's got all the tools. We've seen him skate fast, we've seen him stick handle, we've seen him make nice passes. But to me, I'm seeing nothing that is encouraging right now. And that's terrifying because if Adam Boquist doesn't become at least a top four then this whole thing is is not good like because you were talking about him as like the b to doc it was doc and it was boquist and the expectation with both of those guys would be really good players for a long time and i'm not seeing any indication of improvement from boquist i'm not saying it's not going to happen i'm not saying it can't happen he's 20 years old defensemen take time i understand that but if I've seen anything from Boquist, it's been a regression.
0: I do want to point out one thing while we're kind of talking about young defensemen, the only Blackhawks defenseman who had a negative core seat tonight. Do you know who it was?
1: Um, I do know because I looked. So you just It was Ian people. Mitchell.
0: Yeah. Uh, Ian Mitchell did not have a great game possession-wise. I didn't really notice him doing a whole lot of just awful things, but not, definitely not a great game for him. But back to Boquist, I think that – To answer one of your earlier questions, like I I had made this comment to uh, Jimmy Greenfield who used to cover the Blackhawks for the Tribune. And I said that it looks to me like Adam Boquist is playing slow and I don't think he's a slow player. I think he's overthinking things. I think he's trying not to make mistakes. And if you're not allowing your instincts to take over at a certain point, and I get it, he's young. That's the kind of stuff you have to learn but you have to start making progress at some point when it comes to your instincts, they have to kick in. Like we see it all the time with younger guys that eventually the game kind of starts coming to you a little bit. You're able to better anticipate what your opponents are going to do. That kind of stuff is stuff that Adam Boquist is still massively struggling at, and then when he does stuff like the turnover on the power play tonight where it's just kind of careless, that just compounds everything even more because then it's like, okay, we get it. Like, you're playing a little bit nervous, you're playing – it's only three games into the season, whatever, but if you can't be bothered to make those types of plays, then what are you even doing here? And so – I posed the question earlier, and I got some interesting responses from our listeners, and I kind of want to get your take on this, Jay. I know we're only three games into the season, but at this point, is it better for Boquist to get at least a couple of the games off and for you to bring up a guy like a Bodan or a Kalianuk from the from the I don't almost call it the practice squad from the taxi squad would it be better to bring one of those guys up give them a little bit of a run see if they can kind of get into a groove or do you think they need to keep playing Boquist as some of our listeners did in order to kind of like give him more rope to kind of develop and to kind of learn from his mistakes
1: I am boy I am aiming right now towards sitting him down for a game and just letting him collect himself letting him maybe watch the game from the box. They play Tuesday, then they don't play again until Friday. I would give him Tuesday off, especially considering that he was uh, benched for a lot of this game because of the mistakes, because of the poor play. And remember, we're going to reference this a lot because Stan Bowman referenced it a lot, that a demotion is not necessarily a backward step in development. It just can help a guy play. The the problem they have now is they can't send him to Rockford because there's no Rockford yet.
0: Okay. So that's ex- you. Sorry, Jay. I, I don't mean to like jump in too hard on this, mm-hmm. but this was ultimately going to be my point. I think what the Blackhawks need to do is if they really do kind of want to try the reset route with him and you want to only take him out for one game, I think that's a Lucas Carlson thing then. I don't think that you want to bring Bo Dan or Kalyanuk into the mix and only play them for one game and then sit them in favor of Boquist. So I think that If you're going to do that, I think Lucas Carlson should be the guy. But I also think that you then put him back in, and if he still is kind of floundering by the time February 5th rolls around and the Ice Hogs do get going – that's it's an easy decision for me. You send him down and you get him AHL time and I get it. The AHL is going to be pretty depleted this year because a lot of the players are going to be on taxi squads in the NHL. Fine. But you cannot have him making these types of mistakes night after night. You're going to obviously losing games doesn't matter. Like who the right. hell cares at yeah. this point? The fact is, you got you have to try to salvage his confidence and I know that a lot of people are probably like, "Well, demoting him will definitely kill his confidence. It's like, yeah, it's not going to be like the same thing as basically punching him in the balls every night and having him (laughs) get annihilated on NHL ice like this at a certain point, if he's not right by February 5th, I think it's an easy decision. You send him down.
1: Yeah, I think so too. You've got to somehow build his confidence because he has the look of a guy who's not playing with any instinct. And look there were times last year where you saw Adam Bokus look good. There were a, the majority of the season he looked like a, okay, you know, he's not like flashing but you definitely see uh the potential there. And then in the bubble he was bad and he's been bad through three games. And look, I am not pulling the plug on him as a prospect by any means. It's like three said, games into the season, we're definitely yeah. not doing and that. And I, I use this I use this reference a lot and I I compare it to like you're in high school. It's your first day on a job, right? And maybe you work at a place that's like a maintenance. Like, I'll just use a personal story. I started working for the Oakland Park District, right? So I walk into this job, don't know anybody there. I'm working with a bunch of like surly old men who've had the job for 40 years and their job is just routine. Sometimes when you're the new face or you're trying to make an impression, you like kind of lose your common sense with your nervousness right? Like you're things that would seem obvious and should be obvious because you're overthinking everything so much that the, somehow the obvious avoids you, right? Because you're just overthinking, overthinking, overthinking. And usually the simplest answer is the best. It's kind of a twisted way to say, I think Adam Boquist is just overprocessing everything. Just play hockey, there's a reason you were drafted in the first round. There's a reason you're in the NHL right now. There's a reason you're considered one of the game's best prospects. You need to realize that for yourself and just play the game you know how to play. I can see Adam Boquist thinking on the ice, that is fatal for a young player. It's extra fatal for a young defenseman. And that's what scares me. And that's why I think at least a game off and just say, like, look, Jeremy Collin, the great communicator, right, air quotes, can tell him look we're not mad at you we don't think you suck we just think you probably need to just pump the brakes a little bit take a look watch things from a different perspective and you're right back in right you're right back in on friday but we just need you to you know settle down a little bit and i think a a day off will serve you well that's what jeremy Cowden's great skill is we've been told (laughs) over and over again he knows how to talk to young players and communicate with young players well the first test of the season is here what are you going to do with Adam Boquist? And look, if he does, if he plays on Tuesday, I'm not going to be furious. No. If, Cal- if Collin thinks playing him is the way to work him out of it, fine. But I'm just very concerned with what I've seen from him so far this year. And look, you said it. The wins and losses don't matter this year. They're going to be bad. They're going to suck. It's just a matter of how badly they're going to suck. We the, What matters is the development. What matters is the young players. And Boquist, who's the most important prospect on the ice right now, is not developing. And that's a huge concern.
0: Can I point out some weirdness on the stat sheet, by the way, that I just noticed? Yes. Adam Boquist, according to the stat sheet, took two face-offs tonight. Did yeah. I miss that? Well,
1: here's the thing. Uh, you notice after the first period, like, the ice time was all weird. I saw that uh, Lazarus posted, like, Kublik only played, like, two minutes. Um, so, Cowton said after the game, the ice times were totally out of whack on the stat reports And he was also confused by him. That's why the Kubelik line numbers were so low. So I think whatever the stat sheet was is incorrect. Um, And I imagine the person keeping those stats is not in the arena as they would normally be. So they're probably missing some things, maybe seeing some things they thought they, you know what I mean? It's It's tough to identify things perfectly when you're not in a building. So I feel like there was some sort of weird
0: discrepancy with the
1: stat sheets today. So that's something to sort of keep in the back of your mind.
0: I still am curious to know because I'm pretty sure that the stats for Patrick Kane, at least the ice time, it seemed pretty damn accurate in the first period. It seemed like Kane was on the ice a lot in that frame.
1: Yeah. I, you know, the ice time is all out of whack. It really is. It says Kane played 2238, which feels right. Yeah. Um, here's another quote, by the way, just saw this, uh, another from Ben Pope. Boakless was benched for the second half of the second period Thomas Mattel, one of the Hawks' assistants, talked to Boquist at the intermission. Cowton said he was happy with how Boquist bounced back in the third period. Okay, so that doesn't sound like a guy that's not going to be playing on Tuesday night. No, and he did. I will say he did look more normal in the third period. <laughs> like I wasn't like, what the hell's happening with Boquist right now? Like I was the first two periods. Uh, there are some positives though. Let's sure. let's discuss some positives. do yeah. I don't want to do a totally negative post game because if we're gonna do post games and then. They, there's going to be mostly negative because they're going to lose more games than they win. There's some positives. But first, I want to tell you about our friends at Marishka's in Crest Hill, our day one sponsors here on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. We love them. Joe Droglovich and his family out there in Crest Hill. 604 Theater Street is the address. The poor boy, the steaks, the chops, the seafood. James, you know what I've not mentioned in a long time? And they put it on their Instagram the other day, and I almost drove to Crest Hill. (laughs) The Icelandic cod.
0: oh Oh, yeah dear lordy hey lent's coming up man it is
1: i'm oh i not that i need an excuse to go to Marishka's and have the icelandic cod but man that stuff is amazing and it, it used to be part of the read all the time and i try to sort of mix up the scripts a little bit and i just sort of neglected the icelandic cod it's amazing go to mariska's try the icelandic cod i believe mariska's is open for dining in um not my jam, but if it's yours, trust that Marishka's is going to do it as safely as possible. Uh, so go support small businesses, do your thing, uh, and just know that if you do opt to eat inside a restaurant, no one's going to protect you more than the people at Marishka's. So check them out, Marishka's.com or Facebook.com slash Marishka's, M-E-R-I-C-H-K-A-S. All right, my first positive of the game, I'm not doing a list, I'm just saying. Um, two games in, really impressed with Kurishev. Yeah. You see the offensive ability that they are sorely lacking. I want more and more and more opportunity for Kirishev, please. More of number 23, por favor.
0: Well, I mean, if, you know, if Jeremy Colleton is right and the ice time was out of whack, then I am going to have to retract my statement that I made because Kirishev was only listed as playing a minute and a half in the first period of the game. So, if that was inaccurate and he played more than that, that's good because I completely agree with you that <laughs> he has stepped out on the ice and made an immediate impact and he's just been a really good catalyst and a guy that I think can basically be put in the same boat as him has been P.S. Suter, who has yes. excellent. looked excellent the first three games, was centering, I believe, to and Kane tonight. Yes, that line, I... I've said on the show that I'm not a big fan of Debrinket and Kane being on the same line for some reason with him in the middle of that line. It's pretty good. I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and complain about it. Like Suter is doing a lot of things. He's playing with a lot of confidence, which I really like. I mean, you kind of have to be playing with confidence to pull off the spinorama pass that he did tonight and unfortunately got overturned, would have been his first NHL point and would have been just a really stylish way to get it. But he is playing with incredible confidence and it looks like Jeremy Colleton does trust him in a top six center role mm-hmm. which is really good for the Blackhawks especially in the future they hold on to him that really bolsters your center depth a lot having a guy like that in the mix and I've been real I know there's going to be obviously growing pains and ups and downs but before the season started you and I had talked about the fact that these guys they pull over from Europe that are like 23 24 years old come over and look so much much more polished than, like, say, the NCAA players do or the junior hockey guys do. Mm -hmm. Suter seems like he's going to be another one of those guys, and I'm not going to say that he'll put up dominant Kubelik numbers or Artemi Panera numbers or anything like that, but what I've seen in three games from him is that dude is playing with a lot of confidence, and he is not scared of playing in North America whatsoever.
1: No, and uh, something to keep an eye on, just like we sort of had to do last year with Kubelik, uh, took Calton forever to get Kubelik on the power play. No power play time for Kurashev or uh, Suter at all today. So, uh, again, assuming the stat sheet is right, I didn't see either of them out there. Um, one other thing I want to mention, and I didn't mention this after the opener. We haven't spoken since then. Dylan Strom looks like a different dude this year. He is a much more effective player. It looks a lot more like he did um, the first year with the Hawks than the second. Uh, and he's killing it at the faceoff dot.
0: Yeah, he is. 73%. I was just looking at his numbers. My goodness. Yeah, yeah, but
1: he's been, I think, well over 50% every game this year. Mm-hmm. He won eight and lost three. And that was something he struggled with uh, last season. Dylan Strom looks healthy again. And look, he's not going to be a guy who's going to carry the offense. He's a complimentary, you know, number two, probably ideally a number three center. But I'm really encouraged by what I've seen from him. To start this season, he had a breakaway chance that he just missed. Probably if he could have elevated that puck
0: six more inches, it would have been a goal. Uh, but uh, I like what I've seen from Dylan Strome through three games as well. I, I do like the fact that Colleton had him out there tonight at times with uh, Dominic Kubelik and Philip Kurashev. I thought that that was a really interesting combination. And I also do want to point out, I keep after that first game, I do keep noticing Dominic Kubelik out there too. So Yeah. That's a really good sign if they can get him going, and I have to I have to give the guy props again because once again I'm noticing him doing a lot of really good things. Lucas Walmart man had a 67% Corsi tonight. Not not great in the faceoff dot. I will obviously concede this. You can't say that he was good when he won 22% of his draws, but hey man, like I I think that he definitely is earning himself a place in the regular rotation with this team. And obviously, I don't know if he'll be a center or a wing. Maybe he'll move to wing when Carl Soderberg gets here on Friday. All I'm saying is Lucas Walmark has been making himself felt in really positive ways for the Blackhawks, and it's been kind of an under-the-radar good thing for them, even though they've struggled these first three games.
1: Yeah, and that was – under the radar is a good word for it because I think that signing was sort of under the radar because he's not a household name a guy who played in Florida and Carolina not a guy that most people know around the league but the people that did know raved about that signing and I got really excited about it. and he's been kind of what they said he would be just a really solid really heady kind of a player knows where to be knows how to play you could probably say the same thing for Janmark too uh you know he had
0: he had five shot attempts would game? you say the Blackhawks have found the mark? No, I would not signings? say that
1: because I respect our audience. So no, I wouldn't say that, <laughs> jerk. So look there there are some there are some positive signs here. I got I, I want to mention Zadorov too, who I think had his best game as a Hawk so far in this one. And there have been those moments of oh my god, what are you doing? And then there's been those moments of brilliance from him. And that was the criticism in Colorado, in Colorado for him was there'd be these moments where he looks like wow, he's really you know, on the way to becoming a really solid defenseman, then he makes these boneheaded like pinches or turnovers or whatever. And and that sort of thing is going to be closing the gap on the, I guess, just making him more consistent, making him more consistently effective. But I think he's gotten better with every game the Hawks have played. And uh, he's laying the wood to people, man. Put a big Mm -hmm. hit on Hornquist who didn't like it, but screw that. And I like the fact that Foley said, or maybe Conroy brought it up, that Kane said, he was asked like a year ago or two years ago, who are the guys who are toughest to play against? And he said, uh, Brent Burns. No, he said Shea Weber, Zdeno Chara, and Nikita Zadorov were the three defensemen he thought were the toughest to play against. So if Zadorov can become a consistent guy on this team, that sod trade looks looks better. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's just the consistency is the thing. And now, do they have the coaching staff to coach the consistency? Into Nikita Zadorov, that's what remains to be seen. And these are sort of the stories we're going to have to keep an eye on all season long.
0: Yeah, and that's definitely something that the defense is going to need, too, especially if you're going to have nights where your young guys are kind of making some mistakes or you have guys like Calvin DeHaan putting pucks in nets that they shouldn't be and stuff like that. You are going to need good games out of Zadorov, And it seems to me, and correct me if this is like way off base, could he end up being another Connor Murphy type guy for this team where like he just is kind of quietly, like consistently solid. Like maybe you think that that maybe could be a ceiling for him with the Blackhawks. Maybe they play a bit of a different kind of a game. I we're, just, I just meant yeah. like in terms of like relying on them not to do something overly stupid. That would be lovely. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I mean, it's a real, God, we're oh, bar. The bar is pretty much on the floor right now. It like really it, we're, we're, I mean, we could just go on and on and on about how stupid and bad this defense has been the first three games. We're grasping at straws here for some positivity on the blue line, people. Well,
1: I would, by the way, you just said his name. I think Kelvin Hahn, despite that fluky play where he's trying to break up a pass and it goes between Delia's legs, I think he's been really solid. He's I a mean, solid what player. else can
0: you... I mean, he had the one He had the one mistake in the first game where he kind of played towards the boards too much and had to commit a penalty to prevent a two-on-one, but I think, largely, I agree with you. All right, let's, uh, let's tie a bow on this thing. Before you guys go, don't tune out because we're about to
1: play the close, but there's some important stuff you want to know about the week ahead, all right? Uh, we have our next full podcast is coming on Wednesday. That'll be a full-length Madhouse podcast. Then on Thursday, we're gonna preview the NWHL season with Marissa
0: Ngemi. I think I said that right. We gotta find out before we get her on. Excellent reporter, used to cover the Bruins for the Boston Globes, covering the NWHL for Sportsnet. For those of you who don't know, next Saturday, the Isabel Cup uh, season, gets underway, all the games will be streamed on Twitch, and then the semifinal and final will all be on NBCSN. And the entire season's happening over the course of like, what, 10 days or whatever it is? About about two (laughs) weeks in Lake Placid, it's a round robin, they play each team once, that's five regular season games, and then one game semifinal and one game championship.
1: Then the biggest news of, of all, on Friday, for the Blackhawks home opener, James and I will be with you for the entire game, On Hot Mic. Hot Mic. If you've not joined us on Hot Mic before, here's how it works: You watch the game with us. You sync your TV up to our feed. We react in real time and break down the game in real time. There's a chat room. You could talk to us during the game. And here's a new feature on Hot Mic: If you tip five bucks, we can let you be part of the broadcast. You can jump in and talk to us for a few minutes. uh, And that's so that's a feature that's been added so it's interactive fans can come on and ask real time questions ponytail dave i'm looking at you i'm sorry adult adult haircut adult haircut dave the ponytail has gone but if you want to jump in and watch the game with us on hot mic all you got to do real simple download the hot mic app from ios or the android store when you do it's free by the way the whole thing's free when you do enter that uh they'll ask you to enter a code when you register like a what do you call it like a referral code enter the code madhouse make sure you enter the code madhouse and uh that will get you where you need to go and you'll be alerted when we go live make sure you follow me jay Zawaski, on there because when i signed up i signed up as just me because i didn't really understand how it worked so <laughs> find me and you'll get alerted when we go live you freaking glory hog yeah right exactly um but join us on hot Mike uh friday we'll start like right before seven pucks drops at 707 for the home opener uh, that'll be a lot of fun and then uh, we'll do we'll hang out a little bit after the game and do a little bit of a post game and then wrap things up so big week coming ahead so wednesday full podcast thursday nwhl preview friday live hot mic for the home opener we'll make friday's game a lot more enjoyable for you if you watch it with us we'll have some fun we'll drink some beers and uh you know we'll talk some hockey i guess beers <laughs> All right, well, that's going to do it for this post-game edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. For my partner, James Neveau, I am Jay Zawoski. We'll talk to you on Wednesday on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast was brought to you by
0: Triple Threat Sports, Marischka's and Crest Hill, Dr. Squatch, and by Fry the Coop.